Hey there, Fellowship family. Welcome to your one-stop shop for all things church life. I'm Mark Francis, and once again, your host for the day. We've been engaged in several weeks now of highlighting specific ministries, hearing what the updates are, but also you know where some ministries have been launching and what's new at FBC. This is an interesting topic today. I'm excited because we don't, I don't think we've ever had a conversation like this on a podcast before. And it's a ministry, believe it or not, that we definitely don't hear a lot about. And we are going to hear a lot about it um, right now and upcoming with our fellowship family meeting this coming Sunday as well. I have with me Bob Hess and John Van Drunen. John, you've been on these episodes before, a podcast, a couple of them, and you are the executive pastor here at FBC. So welcome back. Thank you. Good to be here. I'm glad to have you. And Bob, this is your first time in the podcast room. I'm excited to have you here. You Tem- are, temper your excitement. <laughs> yes. You are the official financial guru here for FBC. So we are today going to talk about FBC and the finance ministry. And I say ministry because we want to get into that, of, of how... Bob, you serve in that capacity, but how we all are a part of a ministry here at FBC, and it has to do with finances. So I'm going to look at you, Bob, first, and just give me give me a quick little background of how long have you been at FBC, and tell us a little about yourself and your family and, and what you do. Well, maybe uh, what you did. How about that too? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, first of all, let's start with uh, uh, our family's. Uh, uh, experience with Fellowship Bible Church. Uh, We had moved over um, to Winchester from Jefferson County, where I'd been commuting into Washington, D.C. by train for Mm. a number of years. And uh, we were church shopping. And uh, a Sunday in late October of 1989, Mm. uh, we came to church and uh, came to Fellowship Bible Church. And there was a young pastor candidating that particular Sunday. His name was Mark Carey. That was your first Sunday. That was our first Sunday. And, wow, uh, cool. So we had a, after that Sunday, we had a couple of other churches to visit and uh, then came back here and we're here for that period of time while Bob Harriman was preaching mm-hmm. uh, until Mark uh, and his family moved here. Wow. So my wife, uh, Becky and I, uh, and our three children uh, started here in 1989. I got to hear, when he candidated, I mean, he obviously... Gave a sermon, I'm assuming, right? Do you have any recollections or remember what that week was like? I I will tell you the thing that really stood out in my mind, (laughs) and I think it was from that first Sunday, it may have been from an early Sunday his preaching, is Mark's ability to remember something about everybody he talked Mm, to. mm -hmm. It seemed like that first Sunday, he knew everybody by name. Yeah. Now... The church wasn't the size it is today. We were talking about 90 or maybe 100 yeah. people on a Sunday in the service. Right. That's, it is impressive. We, we love the senior pastor, Mark. Yes. And we're not going to talk or brag about him anymore. That's, that's enough. We can move on. <laughs> John, you give him grief, I'm sure, plenty <coughs> oh, on a weekly we basis. It's, it's mutual. <clears throat> yeah. So you're here to add to the conversation about finances just because of your role. And being executive pastor, you wear many hats. But just talk us through kind of where you work with Bob with this financial ministry. Yeah. So, um, and and we'll talk a little bit about stewardship and segregation of duties and, and what do we mean by these things. But uh, Bob and I both uh, serve on the finance team. Uh, it's a group of uh, folks that come together and kind of think through this. How are we? How are we processing? How, how are we handling different financial elements and keeping an eye on the big picture? Now, Bob handles a lot of the giving 
um, Bob and, and that giving team handles all the giving information. And that information is kept within the, the confines of that giving team. Hmm. Um, and so they're, they're really handling the incoming side of, of gifts and receipts that, hmm. that we receive. Um, and that's handled in a confidential manner so hmm. that only that giving team, not elders, not pastors, not other staff, are, are have access to that information. That's a cool little nugget that I don't think people realize. I, I agree. I agree. Anonymity of that component of it is done in a respectful way, but also just a way that is not going to muddy the waters of pastors and elders and church leadership of who's giving and how you might cater to people in that way or yeah. not giving. Well, and I think it's I think it's biblical too. If if I can just take a minute to go to Second Corinthians. Uh, nine. Uh-huh. We're going to talk a little bit in about eight in, in a minute, but Second um, Corinthians 9, uh, verse, I'll just start here at verse 6. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he's decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God mm. loves a cheerful giver. Mm. And God is able to uh, make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. And and so one of the things, this, this passage highlights a number of things, um, but one of the things is that it's, it's a matter of your heart and your relationship with God hmm. uh, as to what you give. And uh, the elders from early on, as far as I can remember back, um, Bob, you can correct me, um, that's been the policy that the, the elders don't want to know who's giving what, because uh, they certainly don't want to give uh, treatment to anybody differently uh, based on a giving decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can certainly confirm that uh, from the earliest days when I first started working, working uh, handling, processing the contributions uh, within the first year or two when folks learned that my background was in uh, credit unions, mm-hmm. and uh, which are basically financial cooperatives. And I, clearly uh, it was understood from the beginning that that uh, information was kept uh, very close to the vest. So you have a passion for, for numbers, I'm assuming. If that's, if yeah, you, that's I, your bent and I, you're like, uh, well, okay, I had a job in there and now I'm serving here at the church doing this? <laughs> yes and no. I, I mentioned that uh, uh, my field was, I uh, was involved with credit unions uh-huh. and had been for a number of years before I first came to FBC. And I found that there were, uh, in the credit unions, we looked at it as much as a uh, um, a people movement as we did a financial movement, kind of a cooperative of people helping people. And so many of the things that I learned uh, in credit unions turned out to be very applicable to the work that I ended up doing here at uh, FBC as a volunteer. And it, it took me a while, but it, there was some point where I realized God had prepared me through hmm. my life work hmm. to d- be able to handle some of the responsibilities uh, here at church. And hmm. Yeah, and there's a, a call. When you feel that call, you're like, okay, this is my gift. I'm going to be able to serve in this capacity. How how long have you been doing this for FBC? Well, it's been 30, 
one year. Pretty much probably. right yeah. as soon as you yeah. started coming. Yeah. 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 Jump right in. Yeah. Yeah. So, and a little known fact, yeah. Bob didn't just work in credit union. Uh-huh. He, he headed up one of the largest credit unions and has been involved in that. And so we just appreciate the expertise that he's yeah. brought uh, to the table over these 30 plus years. So. Yeah. There was, credit unions are, are not... They're not nonprofit, but they're not-for-profit organizations. So a lot of the applications from a number standpoint mm. were really applicable in mm. the FBC yeah. environment. Yeah. yeah. I want to come back to the passage you read a little bit and the idea that, you know, God loves a cheerful giver and not to be under compulsion. This idea of stewardship is a key word. This idea of tithing is another word. I feel like that there's some misconceptions out there and even some teaching that might not be biblical where there's this 10% concept of, you know, I just have to do it this way and there's this obligation. What you just read goes against what some people might have been taught or might have a, a background where that's the case. Yeah. And and there's there are different theological viewpoints on uh, giving. Um, and some people use still use that word tithe, maybe not in the technical uh, historical element. In fact, um, you know, if you have ever talked to Donden Hartog about mm-hmm. uh, tithing, he'll say that there were actually three uh, Old Testament tithes. And, and so there could have been up to 30 percent or something <laughs> like that. Right. Um, and, and so, you know, it's really a matter of when when we're, it's a question, are we under law or are we under grace? And we are under grace and in understanding that this is a matter of between us and the Holy Spirit of how do we handle this? Now, when we're, when I'm working with our children, um, there's an element of training them and, and helping to equip them and encouraging them. And we might set up certain uh, ways of doing that. But I think big picture, it's a matter of understanding this idea of stewardship. And that is, is the stuff that I, I have that's titled in my name, is it mine or are these things that God has provided? And, and I, I want to think about these as items that God's provided to me and that they're, they're his I am a steward of these things. And so how am I going to mobilize these resources, these assets or finances or whatever it is mm-hmm. for the glory of God? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and do I hold on to them as I've done this or is it God, God has allowed me to um, engage in this? So it's a matter of, of how are we growing in that uh, understanding of our possessions and are they really our possessions or are they God's? And, mm. Uh, mm. Yeah, it's, it's interesting to think of breaking it down to possessions when even scripture says that our life is not even our own yes. and that we are dead and you know our life is hidden with Christ and God in, in Colossians. Yes. So to break it down to where it, if it goes that level of our life is not ours, then our possessions certainly aren't and the money in our bank accounts certainly aren't either. Right. Right. And, and I think it's one of those things people need to understand. I'm not saying you give everything to the church by any means. It's a, it's a matter of how is the Lord encouraging you to mobilize um, these resources um, and to use them in ministry? It might be doing something and, and engaging in a ministry with your neighbors. 
um, or it might be um, collaborating with Abacare, the rescue mission, or any number mm-hmm. of ways. Um, and you know, the church is is one of those ways of ministry, but certainly not the only. Mm-hmm. John, to kind of follow up on that, uh, there are, I, I have a couple of examples in in the years in working with the church's finances, where clearly God has worked through people who have recognized that the all that they do have belongs to God. And two events in particular stand out in my mm-hmm. mind. Uh, one goes back, I don't know, probably twenty twenty five years ago. Um, at that point, the uh, church would transfer 10% of general or undesignated giving to the missions program. Hmm. And it came down from the elders uh, at one point that they were going to change that from 10% to 20%. And my initial reaction in being involved on the contribution side was, there's no way you're going to be able to do that. How are you going to be able to continue to operate the church? We had obligations to uh, uh, compensate the staff, to maintain the building, um, but God provided through the hearts of, of uh, so many hmm. people. Hmm. And another similar example was uh, uh, also happens to involve the missions program, where each year we had a, a missions uh, weekend where um, uh, a missionary from some foreign country would come in, and we would have a as part of that we would have a missions project where we take up special offerings over and above uh, what people normally gave to. Uh, fulfill a missions project like drilling a well or what have you. And we had a couple of years where we were attempting to raise three or four or maybe even $5,000. Well, came around to a missions program one year, and the project involved raising, I don't remember exact number, $25,000 or $30,000 when we've been raising four or $5,000 a year. And my reaction was the same. There's no way we're going to raise twenty-five dollars or $30,000. But sure enough, we not only raised the amount that was uh, specified, but uh, even more. I mean, it speaks to the provision of God. It yeah. speaks yeah. to the, the trust and dependence of God, of the leadership. And and I, I want to touch on the missions real quick as well. And either of you guys can speak to this. The the heart of the church leaders, the heart of the elders back then, shocked you of going from ten percent to twenty percent, and that is, is essentially our church giving and and demonstrating to the body that what we even have is not our own. Yeah. And so there is a component of from top down showing and displaying what Scripture says that we're called to do. And that's and that's really uh, I mean I will say in my work um, in prior working with hundreds of churches across the country I never encountered a situation where a church was doing something like this and and I don't say that to brag on FBC but I, I say that as an encouragement that there's there's a significant amount that's transferred each year from general giving into our global missions program on top of the amounts that are given directly towards global missions or our our ministry partners. And so that's going to equip churches around the globe. Mm-hmm. Um, so for example, that that 20% of, of, of that FBC transferred from our, our general giving last year was $663,000. Wow. $663,000. And that's on top of the generosity of people giving directly into mm-hmm. Um, that global missions program. Hmm. And so uh, it's incredible work. And what that does is that encourages this idea of 
how are we going to go resource and equip churches beyond the walls of Fellowship Bible Church uh, to be established in the Word hmm. um, and to to continue to that ministry? And then we're encouraging those ministries, some of those global partners that we've partnered with many years, are, are not receiving support anymore. There's a mutual relationship but now they're going on mm. and carrying this out with other churches. Kind of passing and so there's the torch a idea. There's yeah. a multiplication effort there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's amazing. And that number that you just shared is 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 a big number. It's astounding. It's a, it's a big number. So that leads me to the question of what's the state of the union in FBC? I mean, I don't want to steal the thunder from our meeting on Sunday night, but just I'll ask either of you, kind of just give us the overview of how are we doing? Yeah. I mean, I can give a general overview, but Bob, uh, what's your sense in terms of giving and, and where we're at? Well, I, I think we, we can't uh, uh, talk about this without mentioning um, the impact of, of COVID and another thing, is a place of online giving. Mm-hmm. Um, some I read uh, in preparation for one of the old uh, um, uh, FBC magazines that we used to do uh, that about 85 years ago, about 5% of uh, contributions to churches was made by check and 95% was uh, um, made in cash. <laughs> and uh, then yeah. back, uh, in the back olden around, days. around 2008, 2009, 2010, we looked at it and it had moved to where we were probably getting 10% cash and uh, uh, 70 or 80% by check. Hmm. Well, now uh, we get somewhere between 70 and 75% of the contributions come in online. Mm-hmm. And the difference in, in a little bit of cash, not much anymore, but mm-hmm. the checks that are either dropped off in the offering boxes or mailed into the church. Mm. Wow. And so the significant shift, has that been a positive impact, do you see, as far as the amount of giving that just the numbers are showing i mean that's a cool stat that there's that's happening has that shifted just what people are contributing i i don't think the method by which people contribute by itself has been that it has certainly helped us through um some times like when um uh, we weren't meeting um in person Making it more likely, making it easier, more likely for people to yeah. contribute. Yeah, yeah one thing Instead we could notice thing. Right. back yeah. before online giving was a significant part of it. If we had a canceled a service because of snow mm. or mm-hmm. during peak vacation times, we would notice a decline in the giving mm. because if people were conditioned to uh, having making that uh, contribution as part of the worship service and dropping it in the offering mm-hmm. plate. Mm-hmm. Online giving, most people set that up as a recurring transaction, mm-hmm. so it tends to um, not be impacted by a, a hmm. cancellation in service or vacations, whether people mm-hmm. aren't in church or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's a important element. Even though it is online giving or uh, giving in the, bo- the back of the room, we, we still very much want to hold this up as an element of our worship to God mm. um, and, and carry out that uh, act of worship and, and give people some flexibility of how, that, how that's best handled. Some people handle it through their bank payments, mm-hmm. uh, portals. Others handle it through uh, um, their online FBC 
uh, giving page and some people still mail in a check or bring a check in person. So, yeah. Um, now Bob kind of covered the, the giving portion of it. And what we didn't explain earlier is I'm, I'm working with the staff team that's covering the, uh, expense side of, okay. of things. Um, and so that's part of the segregation of duties that we have, uh, within, uh, the, how we handle finances. Uh, and that's, that's helpful. Um, you know, so overall the total giving, uh, to FBC um, in all the different categories, whether it's missions, benevolence, capital improvements, community outreach, um, FBC Shenandoah or the uh, Iglesia Biblica Hispana Winchester, um, our Hispanic Church, or the General Fund, it was three point nine five four million dollars. So mm-hmm. three point just three point nine million dollars and and some change. Overall, That's in the fiscal year that we in the, just completed. In the fiscal year, and we, we run from September 1 of each year to August 31 mm-hmm. of each year. Um, and overall, um, our expenses were about $45,000 less than our, our uh, the contributions that were received. For the year. For the year. Mm-hmm. And so we, we work very carefully to make sure we stay within that. We do set budgets um, at the beginning of the year. Um, and and work through the planning of what we're anticipating in terms of ministry, just so we can plan accordingly. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's that we also monitor that throughout the year and try to make sure that we stay within balance of that. All. That's an interesting point. I mean, for someone that's new that's never been to a congregational meeting or have seen Bob present these numbers, you're just thinking to yourself, "Wow, this this is a very even flat number." And we're not; it's not the money making business, right. and we were going to adapt what I hear you saying and flex over the course of the year and from year to year to recognize where is the giving and where are we able to bless the community or ministries or global church, the 20%. It's all, it's all kind of a balancing of the budget, if you want to call it that, right? Yeah. Or and, reconciling and to where you're getting to where it's a right even number is that yeah and the goal? and and part of it is also like so that 40 just under $45,000 surplus of last year that'll get rolled into our reserves mm-hmm. and you know like we would have for any prudent management financial management you have a rainy day fund yep <coughs> right excuse me right yeah rainy day fund I'll, I'll carry on. Go ahead and have your sip of water. Thank yep. you. The, I, I know about I know about rainy day funds. <laughs> well, Rain- and, and those reserves. One of the things that uh, I, um, I feel is for us setting money aside. It's not a matter that we're not trusting God with what the future has in store, but it's part of being a good steward to be prepared to for the church to take advantage of an opportunity for ministry that mm. may come along mm. that's not anticipated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good. Good. So that's that's the brief state of the union, which that's helpful. And, and again, we'll get some more of the details and number crunching for people that care about that on Sunday <laughs> night. They can go see Bob Pass yeah. after the meeting. But it just walk us through some of the other details that really go on behind the scenes. Kind of what are the what are the I don't want to call them like things that people should think about, but can anyone, just a quick question that comes off the top of my head. I mean, can anyone just give a gift and say, hey, I want to just designate money to a certain location or a certain fund or to a certain ministry? How do you guys handle the incoming amounts of money that that get allocated? Do we allocate or can, <coughs> can a congregational member well, allocate? I'll, I'll let John fill in some of the holes in this, but basically we only accept contributions to funds that have been approved for contributions by the, by the elders. Mm-hmm. And part of that is um, 
to enable the elders to be able to respond to changing budget needs. If funds are designated, they are restricted, and we can only use them for the purpose that that restriction from the giver uh, 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 applies to it. So, and, and I think we have to have confidence that uh, uh, the elders are godly men and uh, that uh, we have to trust their judgment. God mm -hmm. has put them in a leadership role, and... Uh, I, I think we have to respect that. Mm -hmm. yeah. So a member is going to essentially contribute with the understanding that the elders are going to wisely, prayerfully consider where the money goes. Yeah, and and you know the elders, yeah, you know, there's there's legal elements around this, and so the elders um, do provide opportunities for restricted giving, um, and the, that that whole giver acceptance policy, uh, gift acceptance policy is available on the FBC website. Mm. And I also just want to give a plug that if you're looking for a monthly update on how we're doing on giving, mm. that's also given, uh, available on that giving website on a monthly basis that's mm. updated each month. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's important to, um, to, to give give that because we're under the authority of the elders and so there's a there's a process of, of trusting them now I will say kind of behind the scenes um, how do we handle things we've talked a little bit about this idea of segregation of duties mm -hmm. um, and and I just want to make a reference back to second Corinthians 8 mm -hmm. um, which I think is a great opportunity to, to see uh, this passage of uh, verse 16 um, through the end of the chapter but I just want to Take this point from verse 20, if we take this course so that no one should blame us about this generous gift that is being administered by us, for we aim at what is honorable, not only in the Lord's sight, but also in the sight of men. And with them, we are also sending our brother, whom we have often tested and found earnest in many matters, but whom is now more earnest than ever because of the great confidence in you. <coughs> Excuse me. And so there's this idea of... Um, Making sure we've got trusted, vetted people involved in that, hmm. but making sure that there's a multiplicity of people involved in, mm -hmm. in the oversight process. And so ultimately, the elders are overseeing the financial um, status of the church. Um, but then there's even at every different level, we've got multiple people involved. And so that's done to uh, make sure that we're doing what's right before God and man hmm. and that we're able to... Um, you know, protect a, a volunteer from an unfounded accusation that um, there that, that there's been a mishandling of funds um, because we think it's really important as a witness not only to our body uh, but also to this community yeah, sure. uh, that we do things properly. Um, you know, one of the things I think Bob and I were talking recently. One of the things I've uh, done a lot of work in over my 15 years of career is around church fraud. Um, back in working with ECFA days, wrote a number of articles about this and gave a number of lectures about this. And it's it's just really important for us to, for the sake of the, the ministry that we're in and carrying out the gospel, to make sure that we are above reproach in mm -hmm. how we handle this. And, and so sometimes it's painful, um, but it's really necessary because it's that important. Well, I'll also emphasize the fact that as a church, we don't speak much about money. And we don't speak too much about giving, or right. we're not calling the church every single week uh, from the pulpit to say, "This is, you know, we need money, and this is your duty." And there's not a lot of that uh, thumping that's out there. This is a this is a God <laughs> thing that He is 
enabling the hearts of people to, as you said, give freely, um, yeah. not under compulsion. Yeah. And he has blessed the church based off of that. And I see it as a as a staff person, but also just a person sitting in the pews saying, yeah, scratch my head. How are they? How is money coming in? We don't. Nobody's talking about it. You know. Well, I, I think God has really honored the, the, this congregation's heart for for that particular aspect of it. I can't tell you how many times I've checked, talked with uh, relatively new members of church, and they are generally surprised that there isn't the appeal for giving from the from the pulpit Sunday mm-hmm. after Sunday, mm-hmm. like so many of them have experienced at other churches mm-hmm. they've attended. Yeah. yeah, and being above reproach. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think it's important to note that when there are major situations that come up, we've made those needs known to the congregation mm-hmm. and, and left it between God and the congregation to to meet those needs. You know, 20 years ago, that was the changing for building, build lives, uh, to build lives. Um, and that was the idea of adding this larger building here mm-hmm. um, and the whole campaign around that. Um, back in 2019, we made the need known about the HVAC um, needs uh, on the building and the the roofing needs. We've now navigated through those those mm-hmm. those challenges, mm-hmm. um, and we've continued to set aside funds for what's now an aging building. It's over twenty years old, mm. and so you know there's we're going to share some of the needs that are coming up, um, and and leave it with the Lord and in the hearts of his people, yeah. um, how to meet those needs. Yeah, that's great. I just want to wrap up our, our time here by just, if either of you guys can encourage the congregation, the people who are watching, the people who are listening, I'm going to circle back to the idea, <coughs> John, that you had shared that this is an aspect of worship. This is a, a component of a, a lifestyle of worship that involves this portion of generosity and giving and contributing. So what what would you say to the listening audience? Um, how would you encourage them if they're being challenged in this way of scratching their heads? Am I am I giving the way God has called me to give? Let me, let me how can I reevaluate what I'm doing? What encouragement would you share <coughs> with with someone who's uh, in that position right now? I I'll, I'll go first. Um, and again, sorry for the cough, but um, the I would say in part is. Are you experiencing joy in this? Um, because the the Lord, I mean, lays it out clearly here in Second Corinthians, but this idea of cheerful giving and and is there a joy about that, or is it a does it feel like a duty or an obligation or mm. a weight? Um, have Have you gotten to the point where you're experiencing joy in that? And then, if you're a parent. Have you been able to find opportunities to to pass that joy on hmm. from generation to generation? Um, because I think that's really important element of our parenting. Yeah, there's a real and John and I talked about this recently. There's a real blessing that comes from giving. I know, and and it isn't a matter that you're rewarded with more wealth or mm-hmm. an easier path in life. I know there was a, a time uh, early on in, in uh, Becky's and my marriage where we probably weren't giving as much to the church. And this predates, by the way, FBC. Uh, and uh, uh, we, 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 God just laid it on our hearts that we weren't uh, giving the way we should. And uh, so we stepped up. And I can't tell you 
how much that uh, impacted our lives and our marriage in a very positive way, and I think our children and our family and people around us. Uh, there's just a real blessing that comes from from giving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah. I think it's and, and there's a trust element um, in that as well. That are you depending on yourself? Or are you depending on God in this? Mm. Um, and and what are and and we've been talking a lot about money uh, in this, and I don't want to lose sight of you know this idea of time, treasure, and talent. Sure. Um, and so there may be many ways that people are 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 pouring into the life of this body beyond just finances, and I think it's really important that we recognize that as mm-hmm. well. Yeah, the generous giving of time, treasure, talents. Love it. Well, you guys. This is an amazing conversation that uh, hopefully is inspiring you guys watching and listening. And um, you're both a wealth of knowledge. So I'll encourage everybody who is watching, if you're watching this before Sunday night, come hunt them down. Hunt them down and and ask them a question or two and see if you can stump the numbers guys here. You know? <laughs> that that'd be great. And, and I'd say you can you can pick either of our brains at any time because this is a topic that we're both really passionate yeah. about. Yeah, we can tell. We, we appreciate it, guys. You know, and and again, thanks for watching and listening here to our Fellowship Family Podcast on a regular basis. Pass it on to your friends. Let others at FBC know this is where you're going to get really some deep and insightful conversations of what's happening here behind the scenes in ministries at FBC. So uh, let us know what else you might want to hear from. Uh, Keep us posted on comments. And and if you have stories to tell, we want to hear about them. You can always see things at fbcva.org slash podcast and uh, watch us on any of those podcast platforms out there. So Bob, John. Thanks so much. Um, Thanks for watching and listening. And guys, until we chat again, let's let Christ be the focus of our lives each and every day. 